Welcome to A World on Fire, an All-Star Squadron podcast. I'm your host, Billy D, and alongside me is my co-host, Herman Lowe. How are you, Herm? Hey, Billy, man. I'm great. I'm sitting here on Earth X in uh, <laughs> in the States, but, um, you know, with swastikas hanging everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's probably <laughs> the, 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 the red flag with the, the, you know, sun of Japan <laughs> against the white background. Mm. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Damn, these Earth X folks just bent over for these ratsies and uh these imperial you know japanese <laughs> uh-huh. yep <laughs> yes we can't blame them too much because they didn't have a superhero presence apparently but hey you and i are here mm-hmm. we'll set mm-hmm. things right <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a good one yeah how have you been after that roy thomas interview i think you and i are still mm. in seventh heaven yeah, we're going to uh, try to still uh, forge on here and uh, <laughs> keep the listeners happy. It's going to be a, a tough episode to uh, follow yeah, up. Yeah, how are we going to trump that? I, I don't know if we're mm. ever going to do that unless we get Roy back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, let's fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, let's hope for it. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing this week, Mr. B? Oh, boy. So, yeah, we're starting a, a whole new uh, storyline here with uh, All-Star Squadron 31 and 32. So uh, we got uh, Uncle Sam and the uh, Freedom Fighters here coming into town. So this is going to be a good one. Yeah, we mentioned them a couple of times during previous episodes. I mentioned that Uncle Sam's probably the only patriotic superhero that I really like. That's probably not true. I, I love Captain America. You know, I love the Star-Spangled Kid and Stripesy, but... Um, I don't know. Uh, Uncle Sam's the one that really speaks to me for some reason. I just probably because I picked up that mid 1970s series of the Freedom Fighters, you know, that you also recently Mm -hmm. acquired. And I had that from way back when. And that's how I fell in love with the character. And I didn't even know that he was a patriotic superior back then because I was a kid. You know, I was like five or six when I read him the first time. So and then obviously later, you know, the color scheme and everything. And then when I started seeing the posters from you know, that was so famous from World War One, the recruitment posters of Uncle Sam saying, I want you, which, of mm-hmm. course, is homaged by the cover to number 31 by Jerry Ordway. Um, yeah. So then I started to realize who Uncle Sam is and what he represents and stuff. But I, that didn't take away any of my love for the character or for the, for the concept of him as a comic book character. It just made it even probably enhanced it. So... Yeah, the Freedom mm-hmm. Fighters, too. I, I love all of them. I'm, there's a character in there, the human bomb, that I love almost more than <laughs> Uncle Sam. I just love his concept, you know, and the fact that he's, you know, always ha- he, he's wearing this suit, you mm-hmm. know, which, which looks like a radiation suit <laughs> he always has to wear. And, yeah. uh, and then I love the rest, too. I'm a big fan of the doll man just because he's such a yes. quirky character. But. And of course, Phantom Lady is one of my all-time favorite Ooh, golden yeah. age heroines, and just mm-hmm. Sandra Knight, I just love her. 
the look, mm-hmm. the design, the character, the attitude, the power set. Well, she doesn't have a power set, but the gadgets she employs. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Black Condor, mm, I'm a little lukewarm on him. I like him because of his wacky origin. And, you know, you and I, are, we're into weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, the Ray, absolute love the Ray. Love all iterations of the Ray. The, the, the series that debuted in the, in the 90s, the early 1990s, I read. And I loved mm. the Ray then. But, you know, of course, I knew him from the All-Star Squadron first. and Or probably from the Freedom Fighters comics first, I should say. But... Uh, you know, all of the characters speak to me for some reason and bring them together as a team, put them in this kind of Philip K. Dick man in the high castle scenario, you know, where, um, you know, they're on an alternate earth where the Nazis won the Axis powers, I should say one. And yeah, um, so that, that makes it even better because they're not tied down by at least the series that we read right in the seventies, they're not tied down mm-hmm. by continuity so much. And, no. to interact with the rest of the world although that that's their first appearance as the freedom fighters in dc they did in fact appear <laughs> in the justice league uh, comic and justice league of america 107 to 108 you know len Wein sort of put them together in a team so he conceptualized mm-hmm. the freedom fighters idea but i love these heroes battling you know evil nazis you know it doesn't have to be during world war ii right billy it can be somehow a holdover of a secret Nazi society like you have in the Hellboy comics from Dark Horse or, you know, of course, in Marvel with the Red Skull. But the Red Skull, you know, he's he's not really associated with the Third Reich anymore, right? Because that, that wouldn't be cool. No. That's not kosher these days. <laughs> so I hate that, actually. But, you know, it's true. You know, the more the, the less we see of those, you know, kind of that rhetoric in comics, the better, right? Because you never know who it might impact. You know, some mentally unstable individuals might be influenced by it. But I think it's still a it's still a concern. So I like those supervillains. I shouldn't say like. I like it when they get their asses beat. <laughs> you know the mm-hmm. Nazis, the the um, you know the Ubermenches, so called, um, and they take them down a peg. I just love those storylines. So you know, oh, Freedom yeah. Fighters dealt with those villains all the time. That's mm-hmm. one one of yep. the other reasons I like them. Now, Billy, tell me first, what was your very first encounter with the Freedom Fighters? It was definitely in the uh, All-Star Squadron here. That was the first time I had ever saw them or heard of them. It was in, in these uh, these comics. Excellent. Yeah, like I mean, mm-hmm. too, I've been obviously, you know, during my uh, early collecting period when I first discovered, you know, markets and, you know, eventually comic book stores. But we had these flea markets uh, in the mid 80s before comic book stores came a thing where you could go and pick up, you know, back issues that people had just sold and stuff. And I, tr- I tried to track down quality comics uh but mm. i never found any no none of the plastic mans none of the police comics that they appeared in so obviously as many of our listeners might know most of the freedom all of the freedom fighters are from quality comics you know they were of course an american comic book publishing du- company during the golden age um, yeah. i think they ran from 1937 to 1956 they were very influential very creative they had a host of superhero characters you know, and they were started by a guy called Everett Arnold. Uh, he was originally just a printer. And then he, you know, jumped on the bandwagon once he saw that the comic book medium rose in popularity. This was before superheroes. So this was in the in the mid-1930s to late 1930s. Uh, I yeah. think 1937 even, just before Superman. So before superheroes became mm-hmm. big. But he already jumped on the comic book bandwagon there. And, you know, and if you think about it, 
you know, comics like, um, let's say, for instance, okay, DC eventually acquired the rights, you know, because comic books took a downturn after the whole Frederick Wortham seduction of the innocent and the hearings. Right. And, you know, so uh, the stronger characters survive, like Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman as superheroes, but um, a lot of titles went bust. But DC acquired the rights to Quality's characters in, you know, 1956 uh, or shortly thereafter. Yeah, 1956, they were sold to DC. And uh, series like Black Hawk, GI Combat, you know, those kind of things, that, that's, those are holdover series from quality comics. And DC mm-hmm. opted to continue them. So there wasn't much of a hiatus between the end of quality comics and the, the time when those titles restarted. So yeah. Black Hawk and GI Combat, long-running DC series. Um, well, not so much Black Hawk, but, you know, they were... You know, GI Comics, certainly, right? Especially since this oh, is yeah. War Comics Month, it bears mm-hmm. mentioning they're from yep. co- Quality Comics. And mm-hmm. then, of course, Plastic Man's probably the most famous one that DC oh. acquired. Oh, yeah. Right, Billy? Mm-hmm. Like he had his own yeah. series starting in 1966. And of course, he became super famous in the Saturday morning cartoon Plastic Man from 79 yep. to, I think, 1981. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he joined later on the Justice League and so forth. So he's a mainstay of DC and the superhero verse. He's from Quality Comics. But, you know, he yep. had a host of other great characters. Listen to this list. You know, you have people mm. like uh, Black Condor, Black Hawk, Blue Tracer, Bozo, the Iron Man, <laughs> Captain Triumph, <laughs> the Clock, Destiny, Dollman, Espionage, and then, of course, Firebrand. This is the pink shirt with the color wearing Firebrand, brother to... Um, you know, Danette Rayleigh, Firebrand, mm-hmm. Rod Riley, right? Yeah, he's yep. from, he was a quality character. So Roy used three quality characters there right from the beginning of All-Star Squadron. He used Phantom Lady, he used Plastic Man, and of course, Rod Riley, who was machine gunned, you know, um, at Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, And then yeah. you've got, you know, the Ghost of Flanders, the Human Bomb, the Invisible Hood, the Jester, the you know Kid Eternity, Lady Luck, Madame Fatale, Magno, the Magnetic Man, Manhunter. This is not the Paul Kirk Manhunter, right? No, no. Um, so we'll see them have a little bit of friction there <laughs> between <laughs> each other. And then you had Midnight, who's a prominent character featured in these two issues. Miss America. Um, whom we'll see, you know, briefly, and then she will turn up again in suspended animation in the Young All-Star series. That's going to mm-hmm. be an interesting one. And then Mouthpiece, Neon the Undo- Unknown, Phantom Lady and Plastic Man, like I mentioned. And then Quicksilver, before Marvel's mm. Quicksilver, this was the character mm-hmm. Speedster, who was later turned into DC's Max Mercury. But originally mm-hmm. he was known as Quicksilver, and then he became part of the Flash's, you know, sort of extended family uh, of Speedsters. And then you have the, the Ray, whom we mentioned, of course, a great character. The Red Bee, uh, who we'll talk a lot about de- during these issues. He normally shows up in, in books like World's Strangest Heroes or Silly Comic Book Characters from the Golden Age and those kind of publications, <laughs> right? But, you know, yeah. I, I loved him in these issues. He's a heroic character, a true hero. And then the Red Torpedo. And then Spider Widow, <laughs> the Spirit, briefly published there. Will, Will Eisner's The Spirit was briefly published in police comics, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Stormy Foster, Torchy, Uncle Sam, of course, the classic Uncle, Uncle Sam, Wildfire, and Wonder Boy. So those are just a, a bit of their comic book kind of characters there, their superhero characters. So, you know, mm-hmm. acquired by DC in 1956 after they 
you know, their sales dropped. And then DC used them again in 1972 when Len Wein, you know, took a couple of their characters and poured them into a team called the Freedom Fighters in a storyline. I don't know. Did you ever yeah. read those Justice League issues where they appeared, Billy? Um, I think it's like I mentioned, 107 and 108 of, of Justice League. I actually don't think I own those because I do have some trades, um, you know, the ones that DC discontinued the hardcovers. I can't remember what they're called right now offhand, but those really nice hardcover editions they uh, used to make. Okay. I do have, yeah, three or four volumes of Justice League, but I don't think it goes that high. And single issue wise, I don't have a ton of older Justice League. Like I have some from probably mid 70s on, but not not quite right. that old. Right, right, right. No, I know what you mean. No, I think I don't know where I first read it. I do have the original issues somewhere in my long box. That might be the way I read it. I recently acquired a host of old Justice League issues off of a sale of eBay, but they were, you know, pricey, but worth it. And those issues were in there. So I never had those issues as a kid, but I remember reading some of them might be from a friend or something before that time. It was definitely during the same time as the Freedom Fighter series debuted, you know, in the 70s there, the one that we you recently bought. But, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, as I remember the storyline um, when they first appeared in those, you know, Justice League issues was about, you know, just the Justice Society and the Justice League just in their transmatter cube and then, they're traveling between parallel earths and, and, you know, I think the red tornadoes involved there too. And then somehow they, you know, um, uh, the, the machine malfunctions, the transmitter cube, and then they end up on earth X and there's a host of, uh, leaguers and society members there on earth X. There's like earth two supermans there, you know, Sandman, Dr. Fate, green arrow, I think elongated man as well. So, you know, they, they soon discover that, Hey, this earth X place, which was introduced by Len Wein and Dick Dillon, um, what is obviously where the Nazis won World War II. So a concept used by, like I say, people like Philip K. Dick and the Man in the High Castle, which was published in the late 1940s so or early 1950s. So, you know, um, that, that's an interesting, you know, world to put superheroes in. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, they're, you know, they're going to have to fight Nazis, but there are no superheroes on this world, save for the freedom fighters. Uh, yeah. which they then encounter, of course, Phantom Lady, the Human Bomb, Black Condor, the Ray, Uncle Sam, and Dollman, mm -hmm. all the yeah. quality characters. So, you know, um, back then, though, it appeared in that storyline of those two Justice League issues as if the Freedom Fighters were native to Earth-X. So there were, in fact, superheroes on that Earth in that, you know, as the story was conceived by Len Wein. But here, you know, Roy Thomas answers the or, or tries to solve the age old riddle. Does that mean since some of the quality characters have already shown up on Earth 2, does that mean there are Earth X versions of Phantom Lady, of Plastic Man, of, you know, <laughs> of Doll Man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. he, he opted for no, because that would just complicate matters. In fact, yeah. the Freedom Fighters are originally from Earth 2 and mm -hmm. somehow they managed to end up on Earth X. Now, this these two issues that you and I are discussing now are going to tell us that story. This is Roy mm -hmm. creating an origin for the Freedom Fighters um, as Earth 2 heroes who ventured to Earth X to answer the call to help against mm -hmm. the Nazi menace there. So yeah. because as it turns out, the the quality characters in the in the Len Wein story, right, Billy, they, uh, the Freedom Fighters, they had been fighting the Nazis since World War II. But mm -hmm. 
but uh, you know, so World War II ended with the Nazi victory, with the, the Axis powers, I should say, having a victory. And they've been fighting a guerrilla war for, for the last 30 odd years against the Nazis. And why can they still remain young? Well, this is no Ian Carr cool you know, uh, effect here. <laughs> this is more like the Uncle Sam effect because <laughs> it is, appears that the spirit of liberty, Uncle Sam himself, uh, just his presence is keeping them sort of <laughs> ageless. Interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very interesting. That's <laughs> a wild way to uh, pull that off, but okay. <laughs> exactly. Now, before we get into the issues, I should mention to the listeners, right, Billy, that there's so much information here about the quality characters that we're going to get into their origins in the next episode of All-Star Squadron. We're talking here about the Freedom Fighters itself because they will only mm -hmm. feature prominently, the, the core group of Freedom Fighters will only feature prominently in the next two issues after 31 and 32. It'll be 33, 34, and then eventually it'll end in 35. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into their individual origins more then. But during this episode, we will discuss this initial team of Freedom Fighters. Call them... The freedom fighters, the the the, the proto freedom fighters, right, Billy, which mm -hmm. Uncle Sam assembled, and they include the Our Man. Mm. So this sort of explains the Our Man's absence. Why hasn't he been a part of the All Star Squadron issues featuring the Justice Society or the the, the New Squadroners? You know, mm -hmm. uh, during the last thirty odd issues, right? And this will answer that question. So mm -hmm. lots of great stuff ahead. I know this was a long-winded introduction about quality comics. Uh, apologies uh, to the listeners, but I think it's, it's pertinent <laughs> information, right, Billy? Yep, absolutely. All right, Billy. So can you give us the specs to issue 31? Then I'll head off with the first synopsis. Sure, yeah. So yeah, All-Star Squadron 31. And uh, this was, uh, you know, like we said, uh, DC Comics here. And this was published in 1983. And then we had, you know, of course, our man, uh, Roy the Boy Thomas, as the writer slash editor, because he was, you know, editing himself at this point, which is, you know, <laughs> he had uh, very, <laughs> varying, <the> opinions, <laughs> varying opinions on that. But uh, we'll, we're just going to roll with it. And then, like you said, we have Rick Hoberg, you know, uh, coming in as the penciler, the regular penciler, and then Mike Macklin as the inker, Gene D'Angelo as a colorist, and John Costanza, and I think David Cody Weiss as well with some letters. That's right. Exactly. Great, great introduction mm -hmm. there, Billy. All right. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll head on with the synopsis. And of course, I'll, you know, do the um, specs for issue 32, and then you can do the synopsis there. So mm -hmm. we'll switch it up a little bit. All right. So here we go with the synopsis for All-Star Squadron number 31. Okay. The mysterious masked man called Midnight is running through the streets of New York at midnight, very appropriately, carrying a metal <laughs> box. But he's pursued by Nazi assassins in full regalia. Meanwhile, at the Perisphere, 47 superheroes are there to attend the first ever meeting of the All-Star Squadron. Suddenly, Uncle Sam, the spirit of liberty himself, crashes the meeting and informs the heroes that there is an Earth X that definitely needs their help and then they should send a task force there to assist him immediately the heroes still incredulous that uncle sam even exists start debating amongst themselves eventually uncle sam tells them the story of how he created a gateway between earths and recruited six superheroes magno the magnetic man neon the unknown miss america invisible hood red tornado and ex jsa or our man 
to cross over with him to combat the Nazi menace on that world since there were no superheroes native to Earth X. Uh, but then he informs them sadly that all six of those heroes are now dead and he's returned to Earth 2 to recruit more you know, heroes for the meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> Just then, at this revelation, a wounded midnight arrives at the perisphere and collapses. Inside the metal box that he was clutching underneath his arm, they find an unconscious and severely injured doll man. <laughs> the end. So that's basically <laughs> the synopsis, right, Billy? So not a lot happens. Mm. It's basically midnight being pursued through the street by Nazis assass Nazi assassins, the all-star squadron holding their first ever meeting and the interaction between these various superheroes, which is great. And then mm -hmm. Uncle Sam crashing the party and informing them of EarthX and his adventure, his brief, very brief adventure there with mm -hmm. uh, the first you know, members of his uh, Freedom Fighters. They weren't called the Freedom Fighters back then, right? He just recruited them. They didn't have a name back then. Right, yeah. Yeah, so Billy, what did you think about this issue as a whole? Uh, I think it's awesome. And like you said, it's a <laughs> lot a lot of setup, but it's really cool setup. So I'm cool with that. That's no problem with me, you know? And it's, I haven't read really too far ahead with All-Star Squadron here. You know, some of the early issues, I had a lot of them. Like, I think I had one through 10 before I had a lot of the later issues. So mm. I had read through them a couple of times before we started doing the show. A lot of these other issues from basically here till the end, I haven't read like incomplete yet. Like I maybe page through them or whatever. Mm, so mm, mm. I was uh, blown away by this issue. I loved everything about it. I mean, the story is awesome. I love, like you said, I'm, I'm the same as you. I love Uncle Sam too. He's just like, <laughs> he looks like this crazy old dude, you know, but he's, you know, pretty strong and pretty tough and he's willing to fight anybody and take anybody on and, you know, it's funny because a lot of people see him, you know, as regular Joes and they think he's a nut. That's just this old guy that's like lost his mind running around in this costume. So I love that part of it, too. But yeah. Oh, another Earth and, you know, different little, you know, Earth X, like you said, and going off and having an adventure there. And I like uh, the uh, concept, too, of, you know, an Earth where, like you said, the Axis powers won, but there's still a resistance trying to fight against them. I love that concept. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's fantastic. I think you're in for a treat here, Billy, from issue 31 up to, I'd say, at least issue 37, you know, with the culmination of the, the Shazam storyline where we are introduced to Earth S. We get Earth X here, and then we're going to be, mm -hmm. you know, introduced to Earth X, uh, Earth S soon. Um, and, you know, that's fantastic. After that, uh, you, you can see Crisis will start to take an effect on, on you know, the Earth 2 universe a little bit with, um, you know, the monitor will have some shenanigans there before crisis fully hits, you know, they were introducing them early on, you know, yeah. and all of that. But, you know, so we have like a, an amazing man story coming up, which deals with bigotry and this, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, um, racial groups in America and this, this villain who's like a super, super Ku Klux man, a clan leader. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that, but you know, th those aren't my favorite stories. I think, uh, from All-Star Squadron uh, number one, right up to issue 37 or 38, I should say those are my, you know, that's my my golden period for All-Star Squadron. After that, it's still good, but um, lots more misses than hits. That's just my mm. personal opinion, you know. Uh, gotcha. And then there's some strong periods again later on, 
just to mention though the cover um this features Oof. the famous cover of 31 which is actually mm. inspired by uh, what was it james montgomery flags that i mentioned earlier the famous poster of uncle sam pointing at you know onlookers saying um i want you you know to join up mm-hmm. and here we have uncle sam on the cover with the freedom fighters and the justice uh, society and the all-stars below him and he says uncle sam wants you to save the world and as mm-hmm. it turns out this is one world only earth x <laughs> or it might be two <laughs> later on when the specter gets involved but uh, you know this is a great great cover and um you know i think uh um the it, the original poster wasn't it also inspired i think it was inspired by a british poster originally featuring lord kitchener you know during world war 1 this lord kitchener was the main recruiter for british youth for world war 1 yeah mm-hmm. but billy i want to ask you something as an american uncle sam isn't that just from, from what i know i mean if you don't look at uncle sam in comics isn't he just the name for the government originally mm, kind kind of yeah <laughs> people I mean, say they'll, they'll work for uncle sam <laughs> yeah i mean um uh, I, I, supposedly it was named for a guy called Samuel Wilson, you know, and that's from the war of 1812, but you know, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, hear a lot of references that like you just call the government like uncle Sam, right? Sometimes or at least, you know, and, like, or at least like uh, for as far as the military is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But you know, you've got political cartoons from, you know, uh, I think the 19th century showing up where they I show this Uncle Sam. Of course, this is his, his look based entirely off of those political cartoons and so forth. Yeah. But um, I love the comic book character. And this is because I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know he was a real, you know, like um, poster recruiting people for World, you know, World War One. And I didn't know before that that he was a, a character featured in, you know, like I say, on ads and political cartoons and in drawings as a literal personification of the United States. <laughs> yeah, but be that as may, this is probably for listeners who are not up to speed with that. Maybe some some folks from foreign lands like myself, you know, the, the American people know more about this than I do, you guys. Uh, but let's talk about the story first, you know, like um, I love the mm. way it starts. Can you speak on that? The oh, way that, my you know, gosh. the narration yeah. by Roy. Tell us a bit about yeah. that. Yeah, well, like you said, you see that character Midnight, who's you know obviously a knockoff of the spirit from Will Eisner. You know, it's pretty, mm. pretty obvious. But yeah, you see him running, and these Nazis, man, they're shooting at him, and he's trying to escape to get some kind of information to you know what we'll know as the All Star Squadron. But you know, then we switch to um, Hawkman and Hawkgirl, you know, flying through the night sky, and they say they're you know oh, we're going to the Perisphere for. Uh, you know, an all-star squadron meeting. And then on their way, they run into Condor and the Ray, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So we get a bunch of quality characters for introduced right off the get-go. This is the first time we've seen them in, in all-star comics, which is Midnight, mm-hmm. the Dollman, then the Ray and the Black Condor. Mm-hmm. And that banter between Hawkman and Hawkgirl before they meet up, that's a bit funny. We should mention Hawkgirl being sour about Wonder Woman <laughs> being oh. allowed JSA <laughs> yeah. membership, but she was well, she technically appeared first. <laughs> what does she call Wonder Woman there, Billy? <laughs> she, yeah, she's really pissed. And she says to Hawkman, she goes, uh, really, I'm just ecstatic to be functioning member of the All-Star Squadron again. I mean, your Justice Society never appreciated me anyway. <laughs> never invited me to never invited me to join. And he's like, it's not my justice society. And she says, no, but you stood by when they went gaga over that 
upstart Amazon with the star spangled girdle. Jeez, jealous much? Come on, Shira. That's great. Yeah, oh, shame. But uh, yeah, I love her still. I'm not. Uh, I just think that was just a, a uh, an outburst there. Just a, she she really likes mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. She's met her. Basically, everybody mm-hmm. who meets Wonder Woman likes end up ends up liking her, right? So yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she's understandably upset. But I'm thinking, what are you upset about? They would have just have made you their secretary. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, you would have been making sandwiches anyway. Yeah. No, we're kidding here, listeners. Roy's much more, you know, <laughs> clued up on that. But I mean, originally, yeah, that might have happened. If Gardner Fox deigned to give her, you know, more screen time in the All-Star comics. But um, you know, I did prepare something here on Midnight Billy, um, because he's not technically part of the Freedom Fighters, although he did join them for a couple of missions later on as well. Uh Midnight, you know, like like you say, um, from quality comics as well, but inspired by the spirit, Will Eisner's the spirit here. Uh, Alter ego Dave Clark, uh, radio news announcer. And he first appeared in Smash Comics number 18 from quality comics. And um, because he was inspired by another masked crime fighter, which we assume to be the spirit, this Mm -hmm. is now the character himself, not the creators. And, you know, Midnight um, then wore a mask and this uh, black suit at first, but then he changed it to a blue suit later on. And mm-hmm. he battled a wide variety of foes. Basically, he's just a scrapper. You know, he's very smart. He's sort of like Dick Tracy, um, you know, uh, merged with the spirit too, because he's got a wrist communicator radio. He uses an unusual weapon called a vacuum gun, you know, which basically fires a suction cup and then reels his enemies in once it mm-hmm. nabs them. But the wrist radio thing reminds me of uh, Dick Tr- Tracy. But, you know, he's got a, a cast of kooky characters along with him. Um, mm-hmm. He was aided by his friend, right? Billy, an eccentric scientist, listen to this, called Doc Wacky. <laughs> <laughs> and Wacky's pet monkey, Gabby, who had human intelligence. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was even able to talk. And then <laughs> he also had run-ins with uh, a side character, Sherlock Holmes-esque bumbling character, though, called Sniffer Snoop and his dog, <laughs> Hotfoot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny weird cast of characters yeah and uh yeah he's an interesting character so he wow he's he's a great character billy because no superpowers but he takes on baron blitzkrieg and a host of nazis and manages to save yeah. the doll man's life in the process and he uh, helped the french resistance out so mm-hmm. he i'm um, definitely played a major part in in the er, these early uh, world war ii skirmishes on earth X, it turns out to mm-hmm. be right, but he was already well, yeah. active in you know Earth too as well. Yeah, one of my other favorite moments too when they all start meeting here at the beginning is when the two uh, man hunters meet up. Aha! Uh-huh. Who in blazes are you, fella? Man hunters, the name and crime busting's my game, just like you. And he says, "Huh? You've got to be kidding!" And he says, "I'm serious as armed robbery, Mister, and we're gonna have this out." soon as this meeting's over <laughs> yeah because apparently believe the two man hunters were unaware that meanwhile here on earth prime they were both being published but by different comic book companies <laughs> <laughs> now That's what great. we're talking about here listeners is of course man hunter paul kirk whom jack kirby famously penciled and you know he's the one from from earth two in this uh in this iteration and uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, right? I believe they created him. Yeah, he's got like a red suit almost and like a gray face. Oh, that's a great. I, I mean, I'm yeah, it's a good visual. That, 
how can he do that mask back then? You know, because it's a mask that conforms to his facial contours and his facial expressions are shown through the mask. It's a skin tight mask. It's almost like his face been painted on. Like dead man kind of. Yeah. Like dead. Well, I mean, dead man is, you know, uh, you know, Oh, you mean when he was an acrobat? The <laughs> visual, he yeah. Died. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. How did yeah, yeah. he get that? How did he get that effect <laughs> before he died? <laughs> I mean, obviously after he died, he could, that's conceivable that he could look like a pale, you know, emaciated ball ghost, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, the other manhunter, though, dressed in the all blue suit with the blue mask, that's Dan Richards from Quality Comics. Mm-hmm. He was uh, created by Tex Blaisdell and Alex Kotsky. And he, yeah, um, he's he had a dog, I think, if, it, if I'm not mistaken, as a sidekick. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he's an interesting character, too. He's a police officer turned crime fighter. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the dog's name was called Thor, even if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Thor. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, so he's got a b- beef with our manhunter, Paul Kirk, because they share the yeah. same name. And <laughs> it's conceivable that that could happen, Billy, because manhunter, uh, an interesting title for a superior, since you're literally hunting men, you know, sometimes criminals. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's conceivable that such a common name could be appropriated by two heroes. So they're going to yeah. have it out. And and wow, Liberty Bell tracked <laughs> them all down. So she must have thought, oh, there are two Manhunters. Hmm, I wonder what's going to happen when these guys meet. And now <laughs> she's, the, the question's answered. Well, but, um, yeah. and speaking of Liberty Bell, how about uh, her new costume? Well, the reaction of the All-Star Squadron members are so stru- shocking because they see this lady with this cape walking around. They say, excuse me, miss, um, we haven't met yet. Liberty Bell? <laughs> <laughs> good grief good grief <laughs> yeah okay so liberty bell decided to debut her new costume with this meeting of you know and we'll see sooner or later cape stone suitor because you'll see it's not very practical <laughs> for her to have a yeah. cape she should, but she <laughs> did say her old talks were horrendous looking i love the old talks come on bell yeah i do too i, I mean yeah. this looks nice it's a really nice visual but yeah i like the old costume much better yeah, definitely, definitely. And then, you know, you've got um, uh, the banter between the All-Stars meeting each other and, and chatting, and you've mm. got this great scene. Not everybody gets along because the Manhunters, like we've seen, and then, of course, the sidekicks. Well, after we yeah, well after we see Liberty Bell's new costume, too, then uh, knucklehead uh, Johnny Quick comes uh, z- zo- z- zooming in. Hi, doll. And she pretty much is like, listen, buzz off. <laughs> you know, I told you not to talk to me like that. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And well, she's like, yeah. "Like, we'll talk, we'll talk about it later, pal." Like, we got business. And I'm like, "I like that because you know when there's downtime, she's got no problem, you know, uh, having a relationship with Johnny. But when it's business, it there's business, and I like that. I like that about her." Johnny, you know, he takes everything. He's too sensitive, way too sensitive, right? Um, yeah, to these kind of uh, things, especially since Bell tends to embarrass him in front of the rest of the whole star squadron members too, <laughs> but he he's asking for it because yeah, you know, he's, he's cl- always putting his foot in his mouth, always mixing business with pleasure. He, mm-hmm. he hasn't learned yet. So, you know, at least he, you know, this time around Bell's not throwing herself at Superman, <laughs> which would really set Johnny <laughs> off. <laughs> although Billy, although think about it, red Cape, Mm-hmm. inspired maybe by she, maybe yeah i don't know man it's just it's just a weird theory of mine there 
So maybe that's uh, what sets Johnny off here because he is kind of offended, but he doesn't show it. He's more like hurt, like she kicked the puppy. The puppy being Johnny's heart. <laughs> Listen, Billy, I forgot. Did I mention who created uh, Manhunter? I did, right? Takes place till yeah. I think. I forgot yep, to mention who created Midnight earlier because I said we will, you know, give a brief history of Midnight. That was in fact Jack Cole, the creator of Plastic mm. Man. He also nice. created, yeah, he also created Midnight. So I apologize for that. Yeah, I forgot to to mention oh, that. Jack he's Cole, done man. some oh. great horror work too. Yeah, Oof. Jack Cole's horror, dude. We Ooh. love him for that. And of course, holy smokes, his art is amazing. He's a writer and artist. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I love Jack Cole. But yeah, he's horror definitely. But I also love his Plastic oh. Man. I, I mean, I picked up three volumes of the DC Archives Plastic Man Archives once, mm, and cool. uh, wow, some great stuff in there you know so he could write humor he could draw these weird rubbery characters but he could also then of course he, he could do cartooning but then he could also do horror so jack cole a legend mm-hmm. so believe now oh, there's a couple of other funny things that happen like i mentioned the sidekicks you know they want to get into it but there's also some banter there between the rest of the all-stars that are, that's noteworthy yeah bell starts the meeting by basically doing a roll call of every hero so you get two back-to-back double-page spreads of heroes. Yeah. And the first one is mostly, you know, the JSA uh, members. And it's just, I, I, it's unbelievable. I mean, and <laughs> some of the responses is, you know, as she's calling out the name, Sandy, the golden boy. And he says, I'm here, but drop the golden boy stuff, okay? <laughs> yeah, and then later she does that with Robin, the boy. Wa- oh, I guess it's just Robin. Right. And he says, yeah, "Yeah, and thanks. (laughs) So she stopped with because it's demeaning for them to be referred to, you know, now that they're growing up to be referred to boy, boy wonder, golden boy. Yeah. My two hands down favorites is uh, Liberty Bell says wildcat. He says, yo, yeah, yo. (laughs) (laughs) And then my next my 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 next favorite or one A and one B here is. The human bomb. And his response, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's like, I can barely hear you through that headgear. <laughs> well, later it's not a problem, Bell. But now, yeah, it's all oh. muffled. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two really good ones. And like you said, the sidekicks here too are funny. Yeah, some are some fall flat for me, like the Ray, just trying to be funny, like here to sh- shed some light on the subject. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Commander Steel and, you know, Robot Man installed some industrial strength lights over there already, man. This is good. You know, <laughs> baseball field could be lit up by one of these. But, but before mm. we get through this roster, really, I completely forgot to mention Commander Steel and Robot Man. They they souped up, you know, oh, yeah. um, the, 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 the butler, yeah. the robot butler. And now yep. they've changed his name. His name is now Gernsback. Mm-hmm. You know, so why yep. did they pick that name? Because, you know, Roy Thomas, of, of course, he was involved with Golden Age sci-fi fandom as well. You know, he was a big, big fan of those. And, and that's, you know, where some of the comic book writers from the Golden Age came from too, you know, like, you know, Otto mm-hmm. Binder and Gardner Fox, they had written sci-fi stories. And so um, he decided since, you know, sci-fi was born, well, at least the Golden Age of sci-fi magazine fandom was born during the the 1930s and 40s he would pay homage to hugo gernsback that he was the editor of the first science fiction pulp magazine amazing stories right billy mm-hmm. it was launched in 1926 so of course also the the hugo the hugo awards you know for science fiction yeah. novels and short stories and fiction 
So yeah, Gernsback is now the name of uh, the robot. Mm-hmm. So there, the, I mean, the previous name was Electro, which is fine, but I think uh, it's it's better that since they've completely changed his personality, he's not a murderous robot like the, the brainwave turned him into. Yeah, change his name too. So Gernsback is a nice name. I I, mm-hmm. I think that that's sort of like a homage. Yeah, it's cool. To, yeah. To uh, Hugo Gerns back. So, and then, sorry, to continue, uh, there's some more roll call goodness here, right, Billy? What happens? Oh, yeah. Well, I, here's another good one. The green arrow here, and then Speedy, stop whispering. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's talking with Wing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just like kids in a classroom, right? But that's not the best one, Billy. What happens when she gets to the Adam and Phantom Lady and Johnny Thunder? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she says, uh, the, or she says, yeah, 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 hold on. She says, uh, Green Lantern here, the Adam, huh? Oh, here. You seem distracted by something, Adam, Phantom Lady, here. Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, oh, now I understand. <laughs> you know, so the Adam is like ogling Phantom Lady He's sitting next to her. He's completely enraptured by her. As uh-huh. as I am right now staring at this panel. And then <laughs> when Liberty Bell says, now I understand why you're distracted. Johnny Thunder. And then Johnny says, understand what? Doofus. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, he's just sitting there like a knucklehead with this beautiful woman. That's, you know, not really all that covered up right next to him. What a doof. You know what Roy should have done <laughs> is he should have, when, when Liberty Bell said the red B, uh, his reply should have been, Bzzz. <laughs> that's great oh but don't you just love the the vigilante's reply man what does he say oh yeah the vigilante right here and loaded for bear (laughs) ma'am yeah and and along with robot man he's the only other squadroner standing because he's got his Mm -hmm. his gun belt on (laughs) i probably won't feel comfortable sitting down right Unless it's on good. a horse. <laughs> yeah, good good visual, though. Real good visual. Oh, I love the vigilante there. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I love his reply. And then, you mm-hmm. know, you've got, um, you know, a couple of ones that fall flat for me. Like, for instance, I mentioned uh, Ray, and then also Zatara. And just him speaking backwards. And yeah, I don't know. Why did he have to do that? What is his trademark? I know. But mm-hmm. and then, you yeah, know, Mr. Right. Terrifics, though, that that one's on point. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say oh yeah mr terrific here and feeling great <laughs> always feels terrific mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yep. and then star spangled kid definitely here what does that mean come on mm-hmm. anyway so yeah commander steel present and accounted for i i was hoping he would give a more like military reply you know like i don't know mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Reporting for duty, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, and then I love the last one, though, is the best because we already had her introducing the blue man hunter first, the quality comics man hunter, right? And he said, <laughs> yeah. here, right? And then mm-hmm. what happens when she introduces Paul Kirk, Earth 2 man hunter? She says, uh, yeah, uh, the other man hunter. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the other Manhunter, he says, like, that one's already answered. The real Manhunter is right here, right? So, yeah, yeah. very awkward, very <laughs> awkward. And Bell even feels it. Uh, right, like you said, guess that's a lot of us. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, um, let's quickly discuss what they're talking about, right, Billy? Because they do have some some items to cross off the list. Who has not shown up here? 
Yeah, she says about reaching out to the Shining Knight, and he, you know, as we know, is over in uh, Britain, Great Britain, because he's like the personal bodyguard of Winston Churchill, and he wants to stay over there. So she was like, yep, no problem. That's cool. And then she says, Aquaman has proved difficult to contact through normal channels since he's generally at sea. And there's Aquaman with his yellow gloves on swimming around. That's right. <laughs> dude. Now, this, this is Roy establishing Earth to Aquaman as an actual mm-hmm. character here because this is the first time he visually appeared. I mean, he was mentioned during the Justice League, Justice Society crossover right. um, uh, crisis on multiple Earths, right? Mm-hmm. Crisis on Earth X there. So um, that was just a brief aside where they said, you know, I wonder if there's an Earth to Aquaman. But here mm-hmm. it's established that really he is a presence and he's got his yellow gloves. Like Roy mentioned in our interview with him, right? He did it mm-hmm. completely like mm-hmm. golden age style Aquaman. He asked <laughs> Rick Hoberg to render that and the colorists to, to get in on that. So I'm glad they showed him. And then mm-hmm. of course, amazing man, but you know, I would have liked amazing man to be there because they don't have any other black characters there. I believe. Yeah. So wouldn't it have been great if the first ever meeting of the all-star squadron of this massive group of American superheroes I mean, I don't mind that the Shining Knight's not there. He's not really an American. He's a British superhero. But it would have been great if Will Everett could have been there. I just think, why did they leave him off? It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Roy says, you know, he wants to spend time with his family and he's still deciding whether or not he wants to be a mystery man or not. But they already decided he's going to be a mystery man. He's a Roy Thomas creation. I mean, obviously based off Mm -hmm. of Will Everett's character. But you know what I mean? So why not have him join the meeting? It would have been great. Yeah. Have the rest of the 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 uh, squadroners even comment the ones who've never met him even comment on the fact that hey man he's you know this is great to having you here You're representing mm-hmm. that part of America that that community and I I don't know what do you think Yeah like you said you know we know he's going to get a bit of a spotlight coming down the road here in a few issues but you yeah. still could have had him in here and then be like hey I got to take a break here you know what I mean Yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so. Uh, a bit of a missed opportunity there, but that's just uh, that's me just wondering about that, though. So a couple of other asides here, uh, the, Hulk, uh, the Blackhawks, right? They sent their best, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so Liberty Bell reached out to them. <laughs> I don't know how she got their address uh, on the secret island that they operated out <laughs> of. Right. But she reached out yeah. to them and they, she got a reply where they just send their best or maybe they heard from the meeting somehow and, you know, just contacted her first. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe but, um, Batman told her. Maybe Batman knows he's the world's greatest detective. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Batman must, you know. And uh, unfortunately, I think Roy mentions in one of the, the the notes here in the back pages that we won't see too much of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman in upcoming issues, even though we would like to do more with them. They've decided to sort of keep them on the back burner a while because one of the readers chimed in saying they, they want to see more of them or, or they asked, would they see more of them? So, you know, this is probably, well, we're going to see Superman soon when it gets to the whole Earth S storyline, which is great. And, and Batman will also be featured there. But mm-hmm. a reader asked about that. So, yeah, it's good seeing Superman back, though. No interaction between him and Johnny Quick and Liberty Bell, though, which I was hoping for. But <laughs> I think Bell's sort of over Superman. You know, she's over him after Ultra severely beat him, you know, during those issues <laughs> where she idolized him. She saw he was absolutely useless. Mm-hmm. because of the power stone and of course but uh still you know superman didn't do much during the ultra war right but he was basically no. just a prisoner depowered <laughs> power the whole time 
Yeah. You know, one thing I forgot to mention, though, is the opening splash to this issue. I completely from, forgot to mention that. You mentioned that, you know, obviously Midnight is based off of the spirit. It's true. But that whole opening page, Billy, of Midnight mm. running with the metal box through the streets of the Manhattan, yeah. you know, past this Manhattan transport company, that is based off of uh, Will Eisner splash panel, you know, mm-hmm. from the spirit uh, weekly, I think it was uh, from November the 30th, 1947. Yeah, cool. the spirit. Yeah, it was just in their spirit. And of course, DC reprinted that as the spirit archives. I think that was volume 15. So you can find that panel where the spirit walks through these or through the streets. But this first splash page of this issue definitely opens up with Midnight, not just being a homage to the spirit, but also the setting that he's running through. Yeah. You know, being homage to that character. So we'll see Midnight crashing the party soon. But first, we've got another gate crasher coming around, right, Billy? well yeah after we get a quick uh, message from uh, fdr over the television on on, what does he say on this new invention the amazing new invention the television yeah you know he basically says about wanting to have a a big huge super team to uh, protect the united states and hey thanks good night and then (laughs) black condor let the coast guard protect the home front i'd rather be dive bombing tokyo or berlin in the ray i'm with you condor (laughs) yeah I wonder how they would be doing that exactly. I mean, okay, he will do that in the next couple of issues. We'll see Black Condor dive bombing a ship. But um, Hawkman observes earlier when they meet up high in the sky before the meeting that he's aerodynamically unsound, <laughs> right? <And laughs> yeah. His only explanation is, yeah, would you believe I was raised by a flock of intelligent condors in Mongolia? <laughs> <laughs> and Hawkman, Crazy. you know, with everything else we've seen, okay, I would believe that. <laughs> and then the Flash kind of gets pissed. Look, fellas, you heard what the president wants of us. <laughs> like the Flash gets, he has a really pissed off look on his face. You know, Liberty Bell starts to try to get in the in the middle of it, and then all of a sudden, somebody busts in, and it's Uncle Sam. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Great panel, that's right. Uncle Sam mm. busts in. That is fantastic reveal there for the the, the first image we see mm. of uncle sam other than on the cover of him yeah. entering the all-star squadron stories is is this one and that's an amazing image there from rick hoberg i love that introduction billy so yeah uncle yeah. sam he just with his trademark line right billy he enters and what does he say yeah it's funny he goes well why surely you haven't forgotten america's very first dudded up hero uncle sam <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's awesome. This, you know, definitely wasn't my first introduction to Uncle Sam, but I was, I remember when I was reading All Star Squadron, I, when I saw the cover of this issue that I picked up, I was so excited, but I knew he was going to show up somehow. You know, the Freedom Fighters were going to make a, an appearance. I just, I was so happy when that happened. And I finally picked up this issue to All Star Squadron. I saw him on the cover, I paged through it before I obviously bought it and then, you know, um, ruined some stuff for me. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. back then I always paged through a comic before I bought it, you know. So, <laughs> but I was so happy that Uncle Sam, you know, was in it. And then uh, he throws you right into the adventure because he tells a tale, uh, which is incredible to believe. But in the second issue, I think Wonder Woman will use her lasso of truth to ascertain the the veracity mm-hmm. of his claims. But yeah, this tale immediately also jumpstarted my imagination because I'm like, is this Roy doing Infinity Inc. again? Because who are these characters? Who are these freedom fighters that Uncle Sam recruited for this mission to Earth X that he's talking about? 
because even immediately explains that he wants the all-star squadron to help him out to save another earth earth x mm -hmm. and then of course the all-star squadron members wonder like aren't there heroes on that earth who could do what we're doing over here fight the good fight and uncle sam enforced them sadly no earth x is devoid of heroes and the earth is doing very badly, you know, like um, even though Pearl Harbor yeah. didn't happen there because he basically stopped Pearl Harbor with his first proto freedom fighters. Yeah. So the Russians are doing terribly um, on that earth and the Nazis are winning in Europe and the Japanese are taking over all of Asia without having attacked Pearl, Pearl Harbor. America's sitting on the sidelines. You know, they're very firmly isolationist because Pearl Harbor never mm -hmm. happened. So he needs help. And then yeah. uh, we've got the All-Star sort of split in two and Liberty Bell worrying about that. She feared that in their first meeting, there would be a, an argument or a fight or a disagreement. And this is now happening. Yeah. Uh, she just didn't, yeah. She just didn't envision Uncle Sam being the cause of it. <laughs> the literal <laughs> Uncle Sam. Yeah. But we, we can see some of the freedom fighters here, right? Billy, like Black Condor and the Ray, the, 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 mm -hmm. the, you know, future freedom fighters, we should say at this point, they're already up for helping out anyone who needs help, yeah. the, the, the earth. And then we've got some selfish comments here. Some people yeah. who are not sympathetic to this other earth. I mean, I can't believe that Superman, I mean, Superman, he will, he's up for helping everybody. And now mm -hmm. there's an earth without any heroes. Wouldn't Superman at least say, okay. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I don't know. So then we cut to midnight, right? Billy, he's escaping from these Nazis. This, mm -hmm. this always reminded me of, do you remember that, that's, that um, movie Top Secret with Val Kilmer and <laughs> the scene with, with Omar Sharif. Did you ever see that movie? I have not seen it's that. It's like no. a slapstick comedy. Oh, man, it's <laughs> classic. It's, uh, this is this uh, opening scene with Omar Sharif escaping these Nazis in East Germany on a train. <laughs> mm -hmm. This scene reminded me of that. I don't know why. There's nothing funny about this scene, but it's, it just reminded me of these Nazis chasing this guy on this train. Yeah. And... Um, so midnight, you know, he's escaping from the Nazis on a, on a New York subway train. And then one of them wings him in the shoulder. And he also grabs a Luger and, and shoots back, gives as good as he gets. And then the, uh, the Nazi drops his uh, hand grenade and the entire Oof. train uh, is totaled. It derails, it crashes down below and midnight's the only survivor. And we see this horrible scene of him walking through the wreckage filled with dead Nazis. Mm. and then fire now I'm, I'm, it's it's good that this was past midnight because there probably wasn't any weren't any civilians on this train uh so these nazis bit the dust but it's a shocking scene right shocking image yeah yeah it looks rough yeah i mean the new york authorities must have thought this was an act of sabotage by some mm -hmm. nazi saboteurs or something and then yeah. uncle sam quickly explains his origin right billy so uncle sam the spirit of america uh, you know, he 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 doesn't actually know his own origin. He just says that he's always been there. He's always been present, right? Mm -hmm. But but in fact, you know, believe Uncle Sam, he does have a very interesting origin. <laughs> do, 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 do you know anything about his origin? Mm -mm. No, he, no, no. He, he is the spiritual entity of America, but he was called up through an occult ritual by the founding fathers of the states of the United States. <laughs> That's, That's how he came to be. So he's unaware of his own origin. But yeah, he, he was the spirit of America called up uh, and he took the form of a dying patriot, if, if, if I remember correctly. And then 
he became that that was his human form obviously super powered by the spirit of america and then he gets more powerful the more patriotism starts to uh incite those around him you mm-hmm. know so he's sort of fueled by fueled by american uh patriotism and yeah so that's that's him that's uncle sam's origin in a nutshell and of course he's got various mm-hmm. powers so super strength being his most noticeable power but he also has immortality and then of course this interdimensional teleportation ability right yeah. Billy, which is sort of he's also a little bit invulnerable he could get hurt in a like a fist fight with foes of similar strength levels but he won't die or you know he's, he's very durable mm-hmm. um yeah and then he also has some clairvoyance you know he can intimate future events not not clearly but he knows when dangers looming or lurking in the in the future right but yeah interdimensional yeah. teleportation is shown as one of his powers here and this is roy inserting a device here that is uh, completely necessary for this story because otherwise they wouldn't be able to to go back and forth between earth x like that right billy mm-hmm. right yeah, so he was a way to yeah. get from one to the other so he was fighting nazi saboteurs on the on the home front right and mm-hmm. then he he had this throbbing in his head and he could manifest this blue, red and white, very appropriately red, white and blue portal. Right. Mm-hmm. And that took him to New York on earth X. And this is before Pearl Harbor happened, but he didn't know Pearl Harbor was going to happen because after all, when he materialized on earth X, this was before Pearl Harbor happened in, in earth two on earth two. So Billy, who did he, he went back to earth two to recruit some people. Who did he recruit as the first initial freedom fighters? Uh, that would be the Red Torpedo, Magno the Magnetic Man, Miss America, Neon the Unknown, and a man that called himself the Invisible Hood. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. Oh, some great characters. They're all quality comic characters. Miss America, Joan Dale, gifted the power to alter the nature of matter by the Statue of Liberty herself, at least in pre-crisis continuity, of course. And she first appeared in Military Comics Number 1 from August 1941, created by Almer Rexler. The Invisible Hood, Kent Thurston, a hero gifted with a chemical compound that grants invisibility by a dying scientist. Spraying it on his hooded cloak, he became invisible. He first appeared in Smash Comics number one, August 1939, created by Art Panagian. Magno, the Magnetic Man, a line worker electrocuted by 10,000 volts. He was brought back to life by a co-worker with 10,000 volts gaining electromagnetic abilities in the bargain. He first appeared in Smash Comics number 13, August 1940. And he was created by Paul Gustafsson. Neon the Unknown, a nameless foreign legionnaire, stranded in a desert who drunk from a magical oasis, he became Neon with the power of flight and energy blasts. He first appeared in Hit Comics number 1, July 1940, created by Jerry Iger. The Red Torpedo, Jim Lockhart, a.k.a. the Robin Hood of the Deep, ex-Navy captain who used his arcane engineering skills to build a miraculous red submarine. He debuted in Crack Comics number 1, May of 1940, created by Henry Kiefer. And last but never least, the Hour Man, a DC character, Rex Tyler, chemist supreme, creator of the miracle drug Miraclo, or Miraclo, that grants superhuman strength for one hour, original member, of course, of the Justice Society of America. He first appeared in Adventure Comics 48, March 1940, created by Ken Fitch and Bernard Bailey. You know, mm-hmm. so that 
explains the our man's sort of absence, but there's also another reason given for the our man's absence. He was given a secret mission by President Roosevelt himself. And during that mission, or after after that mission, he discovered that he is, has become addicted to his Miraclo pill, which gives mm-hmm. him his super strength, the strength of 10 men. His so steroids. Yeah, his steroids. So he's been <laughs> taking a breather from being a mystery man. Yeah, his steroids, basically. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a drug addict. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he has tried to develop uh, a system for empowering himself without the use of Miraclo, which would make you know lead to him you know, becoming a junkie again. So he would rather use this. And he's been experimenting a little with a ray, which is just briefly mentioned here, but it's actually a black light ray, which is, which is what Sandra Knight is known for. So we'll see that becoming, that's a very important plot point later on in the story. We'll probably cover that in issue Mm -hmm. uh, in the next episode or the episode after that. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, they, they showed up on earth X, uh, these proto freedom fighters of uncle Sam and they, did some good work there, but then Uncle Sam just ended the story with saying, they're all dead and only I survived. And you can see some JSA members there, Dr. Fate, Starman, and Green Lantern. They're obviously very close to uh, the Our Man as a Justice Society member, and they're very upset, you know, that, yeah. that Uncle Sam drops this knowledge that he's dead. And so mm-hmm. then there's a debate, right, Billy, which happens between the All-Star Squadroners of, should they now listen to Uncle Sam and help out? Right. And uh, the Spectre says he knows of no other Earth, even with his vast powers. And Sargon says he has never sensed another Earth presence. And uh, Liberty Bell says she put it to a vote. And then we see the quality characters firmly in Uncle Sam's camp, right? The human bomb, Black Condor, the Ray and the Red Bee. They're saying we should help them out. Come on. They're in need. They don't have any heroes. And even Phantom Lady stands up and the Atom's very upset that she's now volunteering for this mission. (laughs) Well, not that (laughs) upset, but, you know. He's saying, yeah, speak for yourself, lady. And Johnny yeah. said, yeah, I'm staying here. What the hell? Yeah. Wow. So then, you know, um, they're having this debate and then Midnight shows up before they can put the matter to a vote. And he stumbles in past Gernsback, who tried his best, but he couldn't block even a wounded man from entering. So he's not a very good <laughs> guard. He's yeah, a good butler. But mm-hmm. poor old Electro Gernsback, he couldn't even stop Midnight. And then Midnight collapses with this metal box riddled with bullet holes. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously injured and they open the box. Phantom lady does. And inside is the doll man. And phantom lady mm-hmm. screams dramatically. He looks like he just might be dying. <laughs> Next issue. Crisis on earth X, the prologue or how the freedom fighters got their start. Right. Billy. So that is what we're looking for here. Yeah. Mm. So fantastic issue. Right. Billy. Fantastic. So issue. good. And then before I forget, we need to give a complete roll call of the 47 superheroes who showed up for the first ever meeting of the All-Star Squadron at the Perisphere. And they are as follows. The Sandman, Sandy the Golden Boy, Wildcat, Plastic Man, Airwave, the Jester, also a quality comics character, Hawk Girl, Hawkman, Robot Man, the Human Bomb, and the Manhunter. <laughs> <laughs> from quality comics the vigilante the green arrow speedy wing the crimson avenger the star spangled kid stripesy mr terrific sargon the sorcerer mr america the whip tnt and dan the dynamite the black condor the red bee dr fate superman robin the boy oh just robin i guess the batman the guardian tarantula starman the specter wonder woman dr midnight johnny quick the green lantern the atom Phantom Lady, Johnny Thunder, the Ray, Firebrand, the Flash, the Tara, the Magician, 
Commander Steel, and uh, the other Manhunter, Paul Kirk. And that wraps up the complete roster of the All-Star Squadron. Minus the Iron Man, of course. He would be back. Can't kill off a great character like that. <laughs> One hopes. Yeah, so that's it. That's the, the complete roster. Oh, it's and great. then, you know, we've got the letter column, which is great. Rick mentions, you know, he introduces, uh, sorry, Roy mentions uh, Rick Holberg as the new penciler. He introduces him and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mentions Captain Carrot and so forth. And then we've got some interesting uh, letters here, but mostly it's about, uh, you know, just complimenting Roy on good storylines and so forth. There's one guy who pretends to be the ultra humanite, right? Derek Moran's. <laughs> Yeah, okay. um, uh, so that's funny. It reminds me of Mart, <laughs> Mart Gray, the ultra human Mart. And then, <laughs> you know, you've got this lady writing in, what's her name? Nancy Buchanan, right? And she, she's, mm, um, yeah, she, she loves Infinity Inc., but she's uh, angry at Roy f- uh, for them because she was, uh, she has to redo her budget. You know, her pocketbook's going <laughs> to suffer now, now that the new series has been introduced. And right. it's a more expensive series, too, right? Direct market comics. So, Baxter paper stuff. So she's going to have to really fork it out here, but then she ends on a, on a high note saying, you know, she loves all all of this stuff, you know, and she can't wait for more infinity ink. Right. Billy. So some good, good feedback Mm -hmm. there. Nothing, nothing bad. And then Roy mentions fine. uh, After all the the letters and after he replied, uh, you know, he says a note on earth X and that's where he mentions why they decided to, to, do it this way that that you know earth x is not the home world of the freedom fighters in fact they originated from earth 2 because mm-hmm. after all plastic man and phantom lady were introduced in in the very beginning so they're quality comic characters so they didn't want to deal with the fact that there are two of them you know on another earth right so i'm glad they went that way and then he also teases um a bit of earth s aka earth shazam which will come up in a few months from now. So, you know, readers had that mm-hmm. to look forward to at that time. I was definitely excited when I read that, you know, Billy. Mm-hmm. So oh, yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to Shazam entering this world. So, Billy, now let's head off to the next issue. Um, mm. All-Star Squadron issue 32. Okay, I'm going to give the specs on this bad boy, and then you're going to give the synopsis. Okay, mm-hmm. this time around... Uh, it's called The Chrysler on Earth X, the prequel. The previous issue was, of course, titled Uncle Sam Wants You. Uh, here we're getting into the Earth X storyline. Okay, writer Roy Thomas, penciler Rick Hoberg, inker Bill Collins, lettered by David Cody Weiss, letter and another letterer, Albert Tobias de Guzman, and colored by Gene D'Angelo. And this is, of course, All-Star Squadron 32, published on or on sale January 26, 1984, but cover dated April 1984. Cover art, again, a fantastic cover by Jerry Ordway, showing, of course, the Green Lantern and some of the all-stars and the Freedom Fighters, soon-to-be Freedom Fighters, uh, seeing this image of Uncle Sam sitting uh, Mm. amidst the dead bodies of his first team of Freedom Fighters and the Our Man lying on a torn American flag with Uncle Sam basically in tears there. Yeah. Fantastic cover, Billy. Later, we'll pick our favorite covers, but mm. man, that's a good one. Yeah. But this time around, we don't have uh, Mike Macklin on inks. Like I say, he's too busy with Infinity Ink. So this time we've got Bill Collins. Not a bad inker at all. I quite nope. liked it. Yeah, pretty good stuff. So, Billy, what's Very your synopsis solid. for issue 32? All right. As our heroes indulge Midnight and Uncle Sam about their adventure on Earth X. We see that our man was conducting experiments at the behest of President Roosevelt. After a brief tussle, our man 
decides to join Uncle Sam and his freedom fighters in their attempt to halt the Axis powers on this far-flung version of Earth. It appears that all but Sam are killed by a kamikaze effort by a Japanese pilot. And after washing up on a Pearl Harbor shore, Sam gets tossed into a cell because no one believes him. Then Midnight tells his story as he and Dollman had a crazy adventure on Earth X as well in Paris, France with the resistance. They barely escaped with their lives as Baron Blitzkrieg nearly killed both of them before they could journey back to Earth 2. The All-Star Squadron then decides to split up and part of the team journeys to Earth X with Uncle Sam and his freedom fighters, while the others stay to thwart an Axis plan to attack the U.S. of A. There you Excellent. go. Excellent synopsis, Billy, man. Yeah, that's basically everything you need to know. So mm-hmm. um, in this issue, we've, we, we, we see some World War II action. So I can you know, have a bit of a de- an, an Earth Prime archive insert later on as we progress through the story. Uh, not mm-hmm. too long, though. Uh, because we're pressed for time, but definitely some some interesting things happening here, and mm-hmm. uh, we see more of Midnight, and of course we see more of Uncle Sam, and you know, um, th- which we were introduced to in the last issue. So it's great stuff, right, Billy? And yeah, um, yeah and more of the Doll Man. <laughs> so what do you think <laughs> about the Doll Man? Oh, I love him. He's awesome. And I never read any comics before either with that character. I, I knew of him. I had heard of him. You know, probably. I'm not sure how I heard of him before. You know, the last like I don't know, ten or fifteen years or something like that. But I definitely heard of him on like you know one of those TV specials where they would talk about you know comics and the origins of them and stuff like that. And they'd, oh. they'd do like a history and stuff like that. Yeah, like I think one came out maybe about twelve or fifteen years ago, and that might have been the first time I heard of some of those Golden Age characters because I never read any of that material. Yeah, it's weird, man. Now I I probably definitely met the doll man during the freedom fighter series from the seventies, but, mm-hmm. uh, or, or like I said, the justice league comics, which somehow I read, uh, even though I didn't own them where they first appeared, mm-hmm. you know, written by Len Wein, but I can't remember where all, all I do remember is I love the character because, um, you know, much like the Adam or, you know, Ant-Man over at Marvel, he's this scrappy little fighter who seems to retain his uh human-sized strength even though he's um the size of a little doll but i I liked him more because he's more impish looking you know he's got a cape (laughs) he's got this acrobat (laughs) suit on or the circus Mm -hmm. performer suit on with these little you know uh, red uh peter pan uh booties or shoes (laughs) i don't know daryl dane that's his real name daryl dane the doll man and you Mm -hmm. know his origin is just he invented a serum he was a chemist much like rex tyler you know our man he was a chemist he invented a serum and he was created by will eisner too you know the spirit Mm. creator will eisner created him for quality comics that's great interesting right yeah yeah so um uh, the doll man had the serum that he could use and he could shrink down. I think it had a permanent effect, you know, so after he yes. revived the serum, he could shrink down to doll size, but he couldn't go smaller than that. So he couldn't like Ant-Man or the Atom become microscopic mm-hmm. uh, or subatomic. He couldn't shrink, shrink to that level, but he no, could definitely, no. you know, infiltrate. And he was a, a perfect like espionage like uh, mm-hmm. character, especially during what we see his time with Midnight in the French resistance, the French underground. Yeah. So uh, fantastic set there. So yeah, I love the mm-hmm. doll man, and I also love his visual. He's he's got those primary colors going for him, you know, the red and the blue. 
Yeah. So fantastic character. We see a lot of his action here. And then, of course, we get into the story here. Now, I believe this uh, issue is very action-packed. First oh, off, yeah. we've, got the, we've got the full story here because Wonder Woman only now decides to employ her lasso of truth. And it's funny, <laughs> later on, she says she feels like a walking polygraph test. <laughs> her creator invented the polygraph, you know, well, get a hand in inventing it, William Moulton Marston. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's interesting that she says that. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, man, it's really funny. So the, the issue starts with them just debating the doll man and, uh, you know, how, how he ended up hurt. And then, you know, Midnight regains consciousness. And right. then she, Wonder Woman, obviously lassos him <laughs> to discern whether or not <laughs> he's telling the truth. And um, first up, we've got a quote, though. And this is the same quote that we've spoken about many times before, but it wasn't used yet. You know, we used it, though, earlier mm-hmm. on. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date that will live in infamy. Of course, right. uh, as mentioned in that speech that declared war against Japan by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. So, um, yeah. believe now, this is appropriate because we're going to see a reenactment of the battle here in Uncle Sam's flashbacks of the freedom fighters versus the Japanese um, you know, attack force heading towards Pearl Harbor. They're going to intercept them. But then the comic's going to end with a very right. familiar looking scene too, although that's not going to be at Pearl Harbor. That's going to be an attack on Santa Barbara. Uh, <laughs> wow. You know, on yeah. the West Coast. So, wow, that's going to be interesting. Okay, so yeah. believe, so great opening uh, splash. And then we've got a two-page spread here of uh, Midnight Recovering and the rest of the, J- the JSA and the All-Star Squadrons just standing around, cooling their heels a little bit while they're, just still debating whether Uncle Sam is real or not. And the Dollman's recovering bathed in Green Lantern's Green Ray, which mm-hmm. is great. And then, um, okay, Uncle Sam's the first to be lassoed. So now he fleshes out his story. He says that, <laughs> you know, when he, when he appeared on Earth X, that was before America had entered the war in Earth 2 and, of course, before on Earth X as well. He was fighting these steel helmet goons, uh, homegrown fascists, and then he had this vision. This is where his prescience sort of, you know, um, his, his ability to sort of see future events come into play. He saw Japanese zeros blasting the hell out of an American base. Now, he didn't know which base it was. This is obviously Pearl Harbor. And then, you know, he was worried about, you know, there being no heroes around to stop them. Now, he was wondering why at this point in time, the heroes like the Justice Society did not stop Pearl Harbor on Earth right. too. But that's yeah. because he wasn't aware that they, you know, per Degaton had obviously take them, taken them out of the equation. Sure. Yeah. And they may forget <laughs> and they forget about it. They forgot about it. So that's why yeah. they don't know really what's going on either to tell. Exactly. Now, mm-hmm. um, Billy, then he sits up, uh, he, he uh, proceeds to recruit these heroes that we mentioned, the Red Torpedo, Miss American Neon, the Unknown, the Invisible Hood, Magna, the Magnetic Man, all quality comics characters. I'll get uh-huh. into their orders, origins briefly here, but then the <laughs> Our Man. This, this is now a very Marvel-style meeting here, right, Billy? This is now Roy showing oh. his Marvel chops again. What happens when Uncle Sam goes to Rex Tyler's lab to recruit him just because Uncle Sam thought that his new team needed some experience from a regular JSA member, needed some, some extra superhero clout from a famous superhero. That's why. That's basically the reason he gives for recruiting him, right? What happens here? Yeah, he just walks into this laboratory and says, Rex Tyler, I want you. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Rex, Sam. 
Yeah, Rex Tyler. Huh? It's a little early for Halloween, isn't it, Pops? <laughs> he goes, maybe I should call you by your other moniker, the Hour Man. And he's like, get out of here. I'm not the Hour Man. What are you talking about? And they go back and forth. And then eventually Rex Tyler says, go on, beat it before I call a cop. <laughs> they start getting into a fight. It's great. Oh, my goodness. It's 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 ridiculous. It's, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then he kicks Uncle Sam in the face. Uncle Sam rips off his lab coat, revealing that typical Spider-Man style or Superman style. He's been wearing his... Mm-hmm. JSA talks his his our man clothes costume right under his lab coat because his reason for that is even though he's he's semi-retired, he was gonna test the new version of his Miraclo treatment later <laughs> on. That's why he wore it underneath his clothes. It doesn't make a lot of sense, Roy. But still, no. classic, classic encounter. Then he pops a pill, and what happens then, Billy? Uh, he pops the pill and gets, you know, the strength of, you know, it says he he says. All those tall tales about me having the strength of 50, man. He goes, it's really only about 10. And he punches Uncle Sam. But then Uncle Sam comes right back after him. And he's like, what? I can't believe it. Even a normal man who could stand up to me after I've taken a pill. And he's like, who in blazes are you? And he's like, I told you who I am. I'm the spirit of liberty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he starts to believe Mm -hmm. him because then the rest of the recruits show up too. And yeah. now, you know, our man's thinking, you know, Uncle Sam's legit. So uh, he might even recognize some of these heroes from newspaper articles or whatnot of their exploits. So he decides to go along with it because our man is not like the rest of his JSA buddies, like Johnny Thunder or the Atom. He's saying, like, if there's an Earth in need, I'm there. But obviously, this was before America entered the war on Earth, too, right? Billy? So that might also have had something to do with it. If America was probably embroiled in the war, he might have, you know, joined the Justice Battalion. Right. Or something yeah. similar, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that, yeah, obviously didn't happen in All-Star Comics way back when. So this is all about why the Iron Man disappeared. And this is the explanation Roy gives him. He was fighting with Uncle Sam on Earth X. Not mm-hmm. for very long, though, because uh, no. their very first mission is it succeeds in stopping the attack against Pearl Harbor, which is a massive feat, right, Billy? But then uh, they're soon uh, they, they, their mortality is made evidently clear here. Yeah. Um, and I love this, Billy, because it shows that, you know, not all superheroes always make it. And especially we'll see that later on, too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, too. I mean, it's just, you know, it, there's always a, a toll in war, you know, for how much, you know, you can be, you know, uh, waving flags and, you know, puffing your chest out that you win a battle or a war or whatever. There was still a heavy price to be paid for it. So I like how they, you know, bring that into the comics here too. Sometimes, you know, they show, like you said. Yeah, it happened earlier too, you know, in in previous issues, like featuring the brainwave, even though that was only a dream sequence, we see what would have probably really happened if the all-star squadron were actively involved in war zones, they wouldn't have, eventually their luck would have run out and one of them might've taken a bullet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, I like that. You know, it's okay to have a little, you know, realism every once in a while, a comic. Yeah. Now let's talk about this fight, Billy. This is fantastic. This, um, I mean, they, Uncle Sam, he creates this blue, red, white, and blue vortex and they disappear. And then they materialize over the Pacific Ocean in, on Earth X. Yeah. And then uh, Miss America uses her molecular altering abilities to change an albatross into a, <laughs> like an invisible glider or a see through glider. Kind of glider yeah yeah. probably made of super (laughs) strong plastic or something and then this glider kite uh allows them to to sort of just like hang there in midair or float around a while and they're right in the midst of the japanese attack force the air force the air power that they sent 
to bomb the hell out of Pearl Harbor and then they intercept them. And this is a fantastic bottom panel of page eight here where these proto-freedom fighters, Magno, you know, uh, Neon, the Unknown, Miss America, mm-hmm. they just take out these Japanese zeros in spectacular yeah. fashion. What do you think about that fight? Oh, that's great. I love how on the one plane you have on one wing is Uncle Sam and he's kind of bending one of the wings and like almost looks like it's going to rip off. And then our man's on the other side and he's ripping part of the wing off. Although it looks like his cape is about to get caught in the propeller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man. He better watch out. So uh-huh. Uncle Sam shows his strength there and yeah. on par. Well, obviously greater than our man's actually, depending on the, the scenario or depending on his mood or the mood of America. And then you have the red tor- the red torpedo just feeling, you know, useless. So he asks Lady Liberty for a favor. Now he's this kind of mm. the superhero version of Captain Nemo from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, <laughs> basically the red torpedo. It's great. She, uh-huh. out of thin air, out of air mole- molecules, she recreates his super scientific sub. Um, and he jumps in there and he immediately takes out probably half the attack force because they show yeah. he only takes out one and they mention he takes out another, but he, he definitely took out more than that. Now, his torpedoes can leave the water and uh, take out planes flying above. So it's super torpedoes. Now, I'm going to insert a small Earth Prime archive here, Billy. Now, this, this is a problem that America faced during the 1930s, but they didn't know they had this problem. And that was their torpedo problem. Now, it only became noticeable during the 1940s when they started you know, having to take on Japanese shipping vessels. America had a severe problem with their Mark VI torpedoes. Now, at first, they used a magnetic detonator on their torpedoes, right? Billy? So they would, the torpedo would fire from the sub or, you know, or being launched by, an, by, by a torpedo plane. And then it would enter the water or like if it's launched from sub, it would just streak through the water towards its target. And um, then the magnetic, once it, uh, the, the magnetic uh, detonator, you know, uh, came near a hull of a ship, the metal hull, it would detonate and explode. It didn't happen. You know, sometimes it happened, but, you know, for, for the most part, failed to detonate. And the reason for that is because they didn't take the account of the Earth's magnet, into account the Earth's magnetic field. You know, Billy, because it shifts. It took, took the Germans to realize that because of the shift, the, the, the different places in on the Earth, the magnetic field has a different effect on these magnetic detonators. So because right. of that, the, the magnetic detonators usually fail to work. Now, the Germans discovered this problem in 1940, you know, and then they decided to only focus on contact torpedoes. You know, so you actually have to, to hit you couldn't just like fire the torpedo near the 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 ship or the, the the battle's cruiser or anything. You needed to actually hit it to let it detonate, make and then contact, make yeah. contact so that it explodes. So that requires more accuracy than the magnetic uh, detonated torpedo, right? So yeah. um, the Germans solved that problem early on. The Americans didn't know about that problem yet, but they had these magnetic detonated torpedoes. And when, once the Pacific War went underway, they had to check target Japanese merchant shipping, they couldn't. Their torpedoes just weren't working. It was a waste of money. Uh, a large you know, chunk of uh, the war budget had been invested into the torpedoes, you know, obviously taking out um, you know, the Japanese uh, supply lines. It didn't work. So um, <clears throat> in fact, the Japanese never had that problem. They, they focused on fantastic accuracy and contact torpedoes. Eventually, the US figured out the problem 
but then it was August 1942 already and it was 18 months that was wasted on these failing torpedoes that they just kept firing. And, and the problem was the, the um, admirals at the time, Admiral Lockwood especially, he would keep writing to, to back to his superiors and to the state saying like, solve this problem, solve this problem now. And they kept cooling their heels. They never did until eventually it became such a big problem that they, they sort of uh, started to test it themselves. And then Admiral Lockwood and uh, a bunch of his officers decided to take the matter in hand. And then eventually the Bureau of Ordnance, uh, you know, pulled their trousers up and uh, focused on torpedoes that detonated on contact, contact torpedoes. But even then there was a problem. The TNT, the, you know, the force of the torpedo would be too much. So, you know, the detonator cap would dislodge or be broken once the torpedo hits the 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 hull of the japanese yeah. ship you know really so that that dislodged it but it did uh, detonate in in some cases but just not in all cases less than half right and then they they had to start working on that again eventually they uh, created a torpedo uh, that uh, that cost like 10 times more than uh, the torpedoes they had been using and that actually proved to work but but this is striking billy because um if you think about it, you know, you have these submarine crews that are so frustrated because they're there, the, the Japanese shipping's right there, but none of their weapons work. They can't surface because then they'll be subjected to depth charges and all manner of uh, assault by the, by the Japanese cruisers protecting their merchant vessels. But when they let loose their torpedoes, it didn't work. But despite all these problems, American submariners still managed to sink 1,178 merchant vessels and 214 warships. Um, wow. But, you know, just think how many more they would have sunk if mm -hmm. those torpedoes worked, you know, and the mm -hmm, Japanese yeah. and the German didn't, they didn't have a problem with those torpedoes. So the red torpedo man, what was he doing? He should have been not superheroing. He should have been fixing America's torpedo problem or sharing his technology. <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, really? Okay. So that's our Earth our Prime Archive for today. I wanted to insert something about kamikaze fighters, you know, uh, because that's basically how they're taken out, right, Billy? Mm. What happens once they, uh, you know, are taking a bit of a breather and once they've successfully turned back the attacking force? Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of having some smiles here about what they've accomplished. But then, you know, all of a sudden it's, uh, oh, uh, is it Miss America or no? It's... Uh, no, maybe it is Miss America that uh, shouts, Sam, everybody look out. And you get this great, you know, uh, thinner panel uh, of a, a Japanese zero coming down. And she says zero at three o'clock and the guns are firing like crazy. And then, you know, the narrative says, you know, the guns are finally jammed, but uh, it doesn't matter because he was on a, a words about a, a mission to the death. And man, he slams right into that sub. And you just see this huge explosion and bodies flying everywhere. And then next thing you know, you just see Uncle Sam and he's hanging on to a piece of like uh, dr like driftwood or a piece of the wreckage or something like that. And then, uh, you know, he eventually floats to a, a nearby beach. But yeah, wow, a really awesome panel. Yeah. Now, according to Uncle Sam, he's the only survivor. We'll uh, soon learn that it that, in fact, is not true. <clears throat> Most of them survived. Uh, right. Except for Magno, the Magnetic Man, but the, those are stories for for another day. Of course, the Hour Man is mm -hmm. the most important one here. He also survived, but you know, Uncle Sam was thinking they're all dead, so he was picked up. He he uh, floated up on a beach. As at first, he was like uh, hanging onto this bit of driftwood or debris, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely driftwood. <laughs> I don't know where he got that from. You know, maybe like a wooden bench or something in the <laughs> red <laughs> torpedoes. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, submarine. But he drifts up on the beach in Oahu, in Hawaii. And, um, you know, he's found by these uh, American GIs, these soldiers, and they think he's mm-hmm. a crazy guy, you know, dressed up in these weird yeah, yeah. clothes. And so <laughs> Uncle Sam becomes violent once they, you know, he, he sort of warns them uh, against being attacked. But, you know, they've successfully, you know, deflected the attack. He doesn't know that, though. So he warns them that the Japanese were attacked. That's why they think he's crazy, not just because of his clothes, because they're saying they never attack here. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, he starts to fight, but they lay him out with a rifle. But and also because he's tired, he wakes up in. uh, In lockup, a a padded padded cell first. Yeah, but eventually some of the dial. Oh, it's great. The dialogue. Don't make any sudden moves for a minute. Pop. And then he starts really going off the deep end and throwing them around. And here comes one of my favorite lines ever. Holy crow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of the soldiers <laughs> yeah one of the soldiers also say the japs attack here you must have been chewing loco seaweed mister <laughs> <laughs> that's so great but that's oh yeah great man but then he's he, while he's in lockup right he's haunted by you know the yeah. freedom fighters he thought he got killed right and yeah, they, they're screaming yeah. at it you kill us you kill us and then eventually was strong enough to 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 leave the earth via his vortex that he can create to get back to earth too and then he learned about earth too and you know um that the attack on pearl harbor here had been successful but he also learned that the japanese are now mustering a full-scale attack because they've had three months to prepare after the mm-hmm. failed pearl harbor attack on earth x they're preparing a full-scale attack on the west coast heading yeah. toward uh san francisco california and the like specifically yeah. santa barbara as we'll see later on so mm-hmm. uh they the jsa and the all-star squadroners they determine that this is all the truth because of wonder woman's magic lasso and yeah. then they lasso midnight <laughs> to find out what his story is <laughs> and he's and like he, throw it on me <laughs> yeah loop it on me but then he's not so sure of himself after they do that I think he's more used to secrets than most. That's probably why now his whole you know yeah. life can be laid bare, depending on what Wonder Woman asks him. And mm-hmm. Superman, man, he's threatening Midnight. It better be good. <laughs> and even <laughs> even Wildcat wanted to punch him out there. You know, come on, the guy's mm-hmm. wounded, shot in the sh- shoulder. He saved the doll, man. Jeez, yeah. okay, calm down. Wartime, they're very suspicious. Mm-hmm. They don't know Midnight. He's a more mysterious character than most. But so it yeah. seems that their origins are tied in with what's been happening with Uncle Sam here because Midnight had been tracking Uncle Sam and the Dollman had the same idea. They tracked Uncle Sam, this mysterious guy who had been fighting these fascists. They uh-huh. tracked him to the Bannerman Chemical Laboratories where Rex Tyler was working as a chemist, the Hour Man. And then, you know, uh, Dollman and Midnight met up. And uh, this is some funny dialogue here, right? They say, Don't tell me, you're the Dollman. <laughs> <laughs> when he first meets him, <laughs> what gave you the first clue, Philo Vance? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, that name sounded sort of familiar to me, but I kind of had to look it up and I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, it was like kind of a, you know, a, a detective type character from back then in novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he called it. Later on, they'll, they'll, they'll reference some more characters from pop culture from that time i'm sure not not from our right. time of course right no, like no. In the 30s <laughs> yeah from the 30s and so forth and um then you know basically they they enter to ju- just in time to see the rest of the proto freedom fighters disappear with uncle sam and our man in this vortex and they just leap into the vortex themselves 
you know, the brave. <laughs> which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird that they would have done that, but they, well, mm-hmm. they're adventurous. This is what they do, adventuring, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they, they're in this vortex, but they, because they were, you know, sort of pulled along, they don't materialize uh, above the Pacific like the rest of the freedom fighters. They materialize. Right. Where do they materialize, Billy? Paris, France, you know, while yeah. it's, you know, Nazi occupied, German occupied. Yeah, right in the middle of sort of Nazis cor- corralling these two, um, you know, underground French freedom fighters. So they save them. And one of them is called, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name? Mill Marie or something? No, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's that's not that character. This is another one. Um, yeah, no, she's. Uh, uh, we find her here. Gosh. Yeah, she's not a she's not a, a character in continuity. She's just um, for this storyline she was created. But um, yeah, she keeps speaking in French, so it's not that easy to figure out. Yeah, either. later on they they <laughs> deign to translate her, but it seems the doll man man he's up to his he can speak German and French, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, he's he's there and uh, there. Then after they save these two freedom fighters, they help out with the cause. You know they're. You know, uh, saboteurs, dollman stealing information, packages, you know, Nazi correspondence. And then they hear of this Nazi plan going down uh, of, you know, the Nazis being in contact with Japan and the forces of Japan being now rallied to attack the West Coast. And then when they infiltrate the Nazi headquarters, they find out that who has suddenly appeared on Earth X, much like um, Uncle Sam just mysteriously appeared on Earth X, uh, for the, one of the villains of the All-Star Squadron. Mm. Who, who is it, Billy? Speak on this. Uh, it's Baron Blitzkrieg. <laughs> That's right. Baron Blitzkrieg, somehow, we will find out later how he mysteriously appeared uh, on this Earth as well. So, Billy, does that mean much like Uncle Sam is the spirit of America, he's the spirit of nazi german <laughs> i think so oh and S- simone is the girl's name oh, okay okay uh madame mm-hmm. as well simone okay yeah she's very very attractive and i think midnight and mm-hmm. the doll man both have a thing for her because they're very they're sweet on her mm-hmm. yeah they're they become very upset when she's shot in the back of the head Ooh, later yeah. on yeah because they Nasty. end up infiltrating Baron uh, Baron Blitzkrieg's headquarters, they learn about this plot of this attack uh, Japan's going to launch, and that Baron Blitzkrieg's going to join the attack on the west coast of of the states. And so they they try to escape, but the French resistance fighters that help them are gunned down on the top of Notre Dame Cathedral. Mm-hmm. And then you know the Dollman takes out a couple of them after Simone is killed, and then Baron Blitzkrieg blasts the Dollman with his eye beams. And then mm-hmm. Midnight saves the doll man, but he can't do much against Blitzkrieg and the Nazi goons. So he sees this vortex of Uncle Sam appearing below the rooftop of Notre Dame and he leaps into it. And as he does so, rather than yell Geronimo, because he's on Notre Dame, he yells Quasimodo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's Baron Blitzkrieg. Great. Follow him, you fools. I shall hold each of you personally responsible for capturing them both or dying in the attempt. He, and the soldiers, yeah. Yavol, Herr Baron, <laughs> they Yavol. jump in too. <laughs> yeah, they they descend to their deaths by the Baron there. He orders them down into this vortex. And some of them do die because they materialize on the skyscrapers of New York with some of the Nazis plummeting to their death. Luckily, Midnight yeah. and the Dollman appeared on another rooftop. So he finds a <laughs> metal box that he thinks someone might have kept their pet in. So those are not bullet holes. Those are air holes drilled into the box, right? Mm-hmm. Really, I was mistaken because they kept their pet in this box. So 
with the doll man now safe in this pet in this box. <laughs> and somehow he got like a pillow or a cushion of piece of cloth or something, maybe ripped <laughs> from his shirt there because he made it comfortable for the doll man. Unless that was already Nazis. in there too. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, that might have been, yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, um, that's the story. We're caught up on Uncle Sam's tale. We're caught up on Midnight's tale and with the doll man in tow. And then mm-hmm. the specter takes a hand and he says, okay, we'll we'll decide to, you know, help you out. But before they do that, they get this call, the All-Stars do, on Robot Man's high-power radio console. And it says that mysterious events are occurring in Keystone City, Metropolis, Gotham City, New York, and um, a virtual epidemic of unexplainable Mm -hmm. phenomena off of the California coast. And Mm -hmm. we'll soon learn what that is. You know, we're going to tease a new character here. I mentioned her briefly, one of the, well, the my favorite characters being introduced soon. Uh, mm-hmm. but the Coast Guard Cutter has mysteriously failed to report after investigating a Nazi sub or, or an enemy mm-hmm. sub, a Japanese sub. Yeah. So, um, you know, the All-Star Squadron have a lot on their plate. They can't go to Earth X to help out, but some of them decide to do it. They decide, I mean, Liberty Bell asks Hawkman's help, doesn't she, Billy? Yeah, yeah. She kind of says like, hey, you know, you were a leader. Like, what do you think we should do here? He said, you know, I'd go ahead and with the task force to go to Earth X. And then I don't see any choice. And she's like, I'm glad you said that. And that's when we have, you know, some of the volunteers, uh, like you said, uh, head out Black Condor. And, you know, uh, who else says about it? Um, Phantom Lady mm-hmm. says she'll go. Yeah. And then you must the fan- raise. Yeah. All of them. Spec- Specter says, I'll transport you there, but that doesn't quite work out the way he thinks it will. No, no. <laughs> a, Uncle Sam, funny part. you know, Uncle Sam can't do it because it seems that after transporting a couple of folks between worlds, he needs weeks actually to recover. Um, mm-hmm. And so the Specter, you know, he's got, you know, the power. Well, he can do basically anything except one thing, which is go to Earth X. <laughs> he can take them to <laughs> Earth X. But this part I don't like. I don't like it when the Almighty interferes and, you know, <laughs> I mean, why doesn't the almighty just, you know, solve all the problems? I mean, it's kind of like real world questions here too, right? Billy, like why sit on the sidelines? You've got the specter there as your, you know, errand boy. Why don't you Servant. take a hand? And uh, anyway, this one caption box, the heroes gape as the specters form suddenly fills the chamber. And he like turns into like a giant. <laughs> yeah. He one. turns into a giant <laughs> and, and picks them up, cradles them against his chest. And then one of his pecs. And then, yeah, he (laughs) he transports them to Earth X after getting Uncle Sam to concentrate on it. Oh, what a panel, though. That is a fantastic panel. Yeah. But then the Almighty interferes and blocks the specter and he says, you can observe, but you cannot enter Earth X. That's not what I created you for or what I resurrected Jim Corrigan for. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then um, Vroom, you've got them deposited right uh, near Santa Barbara, what appears to be an oil field, right? They're mm-hmm. on the coast or a fuel mm. depot and the Japanese attack is in full swing. So now we've got the Battle of Santa Barbara times two. Next issue, the mm. Freedom Fighters are right there, right as the Japanese are attacking the West Coast. That's a fantastic page, man. Oof. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. almost like a, a portrait, you know, and it shows a couple of zeros. And then, like you said, the Freedom Fighters right there. And I like how little doll man's on <laughs> Uncle Sam's shoulder. <laughs> He'll always, yeah, well, he's, stuff. yeah. And then we've got the letters page, all-star squad room with uh, Rick Hoberg's um, likeness, you know, as he drew himself uh, as Johnny Quick over there. 
mm-hmm. to introduce himself to the readers. He also gave a brief rundown on his uh, history, you know, how he got into comic book penciling and then into animation and then went back to comic book penciling. Um, mm-hmm. His time at Hanna-Barbera and his uh, time on the Russ Manning Star Wars comic strip for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then, of course, Captain Carrot and then All-Star Squadron. So he says, OK, Axis, here we come, Rick Hoberg. And then Roy has a note saying, actually, Rick worked with me on the Invaders. So we have so he had to actually say, OK, Axis, here we come again. <laughs> Classic <laughs> oh, Roy there. I like the, yeah, they have a nice uh, ad for an Infinity Inc. Uh, issue number two there that looks really awesome. And then they also have like an addendum and uh, Roy lists like every comic that these other characters appeared in their, ver- their first appearance. I'm pretty sure is what it is. Uh, it's like really cool. So like you get to learn about, you know, some golden age stuff and heck you never know. Some of that stuff might be uh, public domain. You might be able to check it out on one of those public domain sites, but yeah, tarantula star spangled comics and what else? Adventure comics and hit comics, smash comics, military comics. I love the, the names of all these. Well, here's an interesting uh, bit of uh, information here, Billy, the, Quality comics uh, issues, they should all be in the public domain because whereas the characters are now owned by DC, uh, nobody ever, you know, trademarked or asserted the rights to the comics that were published from 1937 to 1956 by quality. So that should all be on these archive websites where you can read these comics. So just look for those quality comics titles. Uh, but the characters themselves are now owned by DC, you know, so I Ooh. don't think we'll ever see any quality comic reprints by DC. You know, we'll definitely see them by people like maybe Gawandana Land. Hell, maybe Gawandana Land yeah. Publishing has already done that. I, I was just thinking that. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, so interesting stuff, you know. And then, uh, yeah, that's the end of this. But this storyline still, you know... Uh, in its early stages, as you listeners might know, because we're going to get some spectacular moments here of heroism, of pathos, of um, tragedy. This is a storyline for the ages. I love the storyline. The Ultra War is my favorite, but this would probably be my second favorite, you know, All-Star uh, Squadron storyline, Billy, especially for, you know, what happens. And, you know, this is a no holds barred, basically, you know, blood will out kind of tale. From Roy and Rick Hoberg and Mike, Ma- well, and um, Bill Collins as, as penciler now, but the creative team really went all out here. And uh, this is not the lo- the last hur- hurrah in terms of storyline, All Star Squadron storylines, but this is definitely my mm-hmm. last favorite storyline of theirs. And then the later yeah. ones will be good to great, but not m- some of my favorites that are coming until the series wraps up. So still some yeah. good times ahead. Some fantastic yeah. single issues on the horizon as well in, in episodes to come. So, Billy, final thoughts on these two issues so far, this um, uh, Earth X uh, storyline that we have here. What do you think yeah, about it so far? Two great issues. I cannot wait for, you know, the next episode to talk about the uh, the rest of them, you know. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, super, super good issues. I love them. And then, you know, like you said, covers. Oh, man, 31. 31, that's that's the one. Cool. 31 is the best cover. 32 is very close. It's a fantastic cover too, but 31 is definitely most iconic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to have to agree there with you, Billy. And we should mention to the listeners, though, Billy, that our next episode might have three issues in one. Yep, we might, we might as well. Yeah, because that'll finish off the whole story then. Yeah, because we've still got 33, 34, and 35 to wrap up this storyline. Mm-hmm. If we split you know, another episode to do two issues and then another two, then our 
issue uh, our episode after the next one will obviously have to be 35 and 36 that will split two storylines in two there because right after yeah. this storyline wraps up in 35 it'll be th- issue 36 where earth s comes into play with the shazam and the the marvel family so mm-hmm. you don't want to split that up like that so we're we'd rather no. do three in one but we'll do an extra long episode next time this one's already pretty long <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep but billy we have some feedback man feedback mm-hmm. about the roy episode and about other things so what do we mm-hmm. have first to discuss feedback related well, we got a couple of emails and one was, uh, you know, from uh, Mark Gray, our buddy. Uh, you know, he said, thanks uh, so much for the surprise episode with, and he says, rascally, or should that be secondhand Roy Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a comment Roy made from the interview, uh, which was funny. And, uh, you know, he also says like, oh, you know, he'd love to hear him again for sure. No matter what we're going to get to talk to him about if it was, you know, this stuff or something else. But, you know, he said about, you know, th- thanking us for uh, talking about the JSA portrait story and how he loved hearing about, you know, Roy saying, yeah, there actually was a, you know, a comic, basically a story that he wanted to publish, you know, behind that whole uh, uh, situation there, the whole portrait, like who was taking the picture and all that stuff. So that was really cool, you know, so Mm. love to hear from Mart as always. That's right. Yeah. So uh, lots of good responses on Twitter. Lots of people complimenting us on the episode. I think it was a surprise for most of our listeners. And we were ourselves surprised that we got so lucky, right, Billy? So mm-hmm. uh, fantastic interview with Roy. But look yeah, forward to more for greatness sure. because Roy's definitely up for a repeat appearance, like we mentioned. So, But that'll mm-hmm. only happen probably at the end when we wrap up the, the run of All-Star Squadron. But mm-hmm. we still have a while, while to go. And Freedom Fighters related news, Billy, you and I, We'll be tackling the Freedom Fighters series from the 1970s that, you know, you acquired recently and that I have in my old long boxes. We will be doing that on our Star Rocket Radio show because um, after a couple of episodes, we'll be doing some, much like DC did in the 70s and 80s, we'll be doing some backup features (laughs) to our episodes Mm -hmm. on Star Rocket Radio, where we'll talk about the Super Squad, the All-Star Comics revival there in the 1970s and then of course the freedom fighters as well from the 1970s and we'll add that all into the Mm -hmm. mix as you know sort of like in the back pages of the podcast if you can put it like that (laughs) yep so billy but that's it for this week it's a lengthy episode but i think worth it uh where can they find us on the interwebs yeah so definitely if you want to you know leave us some feedback you could do a world on fire podcast at gmail.com you can leave us a, you know, an email there or you can go on twitter and it's the show is at all squadron that's right and you can find me at dark Longbox on twitter or at into the weird where we do the into the weird podcast uh, all about marvel bronze age comics and we also cover invaders over there so uh, for you war nuts superhero comic war nuts you'll you might find something you like over there and then mm-hmm. please support us on Patreon. We've got a Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash into the weird, where we offer additional shows, Dragons and Jive, and we offer House of Licensed Ideas over there. And we also offer Radio Free Hyboria, exclusive to our patrons. Mm-hmm. And then, Billy, you've got Magazines and Monsters, and we recently had an episode out with Ryan the Man Daily. Mm, yeah, we had a good time talking about the crazy 1985 horror movie uh, Silver Bullet. So that was a lot of fun, too. That's right. And look for an episode of Star Rocket Radio that would have dropped before this All-Star Squadron episode of ours, uh, where we continue with the Generation Saga. So, Billy, with that, we're out of here. You know, I'm going to head back to my All-Star companions, do some more research. 
and mm. uh, see if I can find any quality comics on some archived website. You should do the same, listeners, if you want. And then when we come back, we might have some more material to discuss related to the Freedom Fighters and the quality comic characters, which are obviously great. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Yeah. So until then, everybody, take take it easy and stay away from war and from you know signing pacts with foreign powers that would uh, you know lead to <laughs> eventual conflict. So until next time, this is bye bye from a world on fire and all star squadron podcast. Take care, listeners. You know, there's Bible verse. I think about sometimes. Many times, it goes. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Book of Isaiah, chapter 6.